Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Sorry, but Jonathan is not with us tonight. But welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of doing our very best to bring more horror and unpleasant situations into your life, especially your gaming life. And that's not because you can't agree on what pizza to eat. No. As, as long I mean, though, I, I've been told that... Uh, Things like anchovies and uh, ham and pineapple are fighting words. Oh, see, 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 we're going to, okay, let's not even go there. Just let, hey, what's the topic tonight, Bruce? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Tonight we are again talking about Fringeworthy, and we're talking again about the to Meller and Meller War, except now we're calling it the Meller Commonwealth War. Because what we're asking is, is it over? Is, you know, is the war really over? Or is, uh, are the Meller, you know, still engaged in some kind of, you know, some kind of uh, offensive somewhere? Are they keeping the faith? Or have they decided to do something else? Uh, And of course, this is really good for you and your campaign because you don't have to necessarily do one thing. So the uh, the big question is uh, uh, again is the war over? But uh, the second way you can get across is since this is doing d one hundred points of damage per action, you know it's only six hundred feet to the next portal. <laughs> yeah, it's actually less than that if you dodge to the right or to the left. Uh, to yeah, the, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um, therefore, there's a, a chance. That if you have re- if you're on a high tech world with really durable materials, you might be able to uh, you know endure it, the damage long enough to get to another portal and go through it. So you know it wouldn't let you travel the fringe paths like most people can, but you could slowly you know you and you and I don't think you'd be able to uh, unless it was a really well not this method you wouldn't be able to get off your portal your platform. So if you're on an alternate, it would be it would, it would get you to one of six other, uh, uh, seven other worlds. If you're on a prime, you're, it doesn't matter because you're just still in the same world. There's no point in doing that. But on an, if you were somebody who was on an alt, which a lot of them are, uh, yeah. then um, that was one way of, of at least getting off your world into another one, so you could have some fresh territory to work with. If you just finished up killing your own world off and you want to move on to you know to uh, new hunting grounds yeah you know i'm really hungry i you know i helped destroy this world i could go for a snack let's see what's over at the next portal yeah, yeah. um it says okay continuing mellow that are in their hibernation state the fourteen thousand year sleep and i'm reminded of ren and simpy the big sleep or frozen down to a temperature close to or below that of liquid nitrogen, are not detected as mutant Meller by the defense mechanism, as they are not considered alive and can conceivably be transported from one world to another in this state. Why anyone would do so is a question most people don't want to think about. 
but there are people who will do that. We we have a term for them. They're called Renfields. Do you remember? Okay, I'm sure you would remember the movie. I believe it was Dracula Dead in New York. It had George Hamilton and Artie Johnson. Yes. Weapon. Yes. And that and that 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 laugh that Artie Johnson did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. He was. Uh, for those who don't know, Renfield was the human thrall that took care of Dracula during the daytime. So it, it, remember, you know, Dracula. You know that Dracula is a pretty. You know, some of them are pretty old movies. Some of our listeners might not. You know, so just yeah, the Renfield reference may be. You know, and and Renfield was a was was not only an intelligent person, he was well connected. That's one of the reasons he was chosen. Yeah, was he was able to conduct Dracula's businesses. Well, During the he, day and stuff, yeah. Right, he wasn't just some, you know, uh, you know, insane laughing guy that that just would run around, you know, and and just guard the crypt. I mean, Eat he, rats and stuff. Yeah, Renfield, Artie, Artie Johnson's Renfield was done for comedic purposes and was a little off his rocker. But I'm sure the Renfield of earlier movies where it was not played for comedy. Yeah, Renfield acted like a normal human being. He just happened to be under the the total control of this vampire. Yeah, I, I, uh, he eventually did, you know, corrupt and 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 fall apart because that's part of the Dracula story that he gets put into an insane asylum because he starts becoming more and more erratic over time. Yeah, but uh, so you know, being in the presence and, and and connected to such great evil probably has some long term psychological effects. We we're we're meant to believe that you know the yeah. idea that. That no, you know that 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 evil corrupts. Therefore, it would corrupt his mind, if not his body. So, but uh, we we know that there. Uh, there's another term uh, which is called quislings. Uh, I believe that would be from World War Two. Yeah, uh, or maybe a little earlier. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, it was a it was a officer who I, I believe worked with the Germans uh, and, uh, and and to to the detriment of his own country. And uh, was therefore, you know, that that term means somebody who is basically working against his own kind. Uh, and there are going to be humans who would rather, you know, stay alive under any circumstances uh, rather than 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 and be say, I'm you don't have to kill me. I can be useful to you, you know, and and so forth, you know, and uh, and. Until the Mallor, you know, decide to just take his form, but you know, hey, you could, you know, you you could be copying somebody else more important if this guy's willing to do, you know, whatever you ask. So, uh, but if since you can freeze the Mallor and the system won't recognize them, they would be the prime method, you know, uh, bearers of carrying them from platform to platform and to other worlds, you know, because they they would be the fringeworthy, of course. These Quislings or Renfield would have to be fringeworthy, or they wouldn't be very useful. And then they would be taking them, especially if you didn't have a key or you didn't know about the whole taking the form of a fringeworthy to do it. They know that a fringeworthy can go through the portal and are unharmed, so they just have to convince them. And they might do it through the oldest method of the book, you know, extortion. You will take me or my brethren to this other world and come back with proof or, you know, with photographs or something, or I will kill your entire family. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't kill yeah. my family. You know, yeah. this is how the the, uh, the Soviet Union kept control over people's, you know, whole, you know, whole groups of people by threatening a few of its members, you know, hus husbands, 
I mean, most of the athletes and other people weren't allowed to leave the Soviet Union unless there was a family member that could be used as a as as leverage, you know, to yeah. make sure they would come back. So it was it was you know you had to be really I mean your your family basically has to say don't worry about us go ahead you you go free you get free you know uh, we'll we'll bear whatever happens and and you're okay with that uh, or. Uh, you know, or you have to be really callous to say, I have to get free. I, you know, I'm sorry, Dad, Mom, Little Benny. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm out of here. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but, you know, because people aren't all great, wonderful people. You know, some people are self-serving that way, too. So, yeah. But the, uh, uh, the Meller, uh, I'm sure be, they would make use of the fringeworthy that they could find. And, uh, you know, and, and again, if it's a portal that's a warp and not a full ring station, then if they, you know, they, if someone can see it, then they know they're fringeworthy. Yeah. So, you know, you would have to, they would have to get up some kind, I don't know, maybe build a, be uh, uh, build a, have someone build a huge, glorious statue, 150 foot tall of, of a great religious figure that people come to see it by the thousands. And every so often someone goes, Hey, what's that over there? Shh. <laughs> Grab. <laughs> yeah. No one would believe them anyways. Nobody else can see it. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyways, it's uh but yeah, getting uh you you have to enlist um you know, non-meller to get you from place to place. Uh, you'd have to be a fairly high level uh to probably be able to uh sell that you know yeah the lower oh, level yeah. maller are a little bit too uh too ter uh type six terminator to <laughs> to uh, to get away with that the, the ones yeah that would probably be at least the and let me get the ones right here because i brought up ogl let me uh, da -da 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 -da. uh probably master and great would be that level of I think high could do it. Oh, let's see. It's the ones let's under take that. The because, like, yeah, the ones under that are the ones where they talk about only. Being oh yeah, assemblance. high Meller can do it too. High Meller has uh, again OGL folks. High Meller has a bluff of eighteen, diplomacy of fourteen, and intimidate of fourteen. Great bluff eighteen, diplomacy sixteen, intimidate twelve. Master Meller bluff eighteen, diplomacy sixteen, intimidate ten. Oh no, they can get those three high types could get people to do what they want. Right. And One way or another, you know, either right. lie, sweet talk, or, you know, right. tough talk, you know. And, and see, this is where the genetic capsule method of reproduction is so important because, you know, as you go down, the chance of you basically screwing it up and turning into just a, a, a ravaging monster goes up considerably. So well, yeah, once you get to like medium and lower, yeah, yeah their, their shape changing ability is almost nil. So you, those people would want to be reproducing primarily through, you know, using, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, by, by using a genetic capsule and then being, and then just trying to pass themselves off as, you know, some weird human offshoot, you know, like. Oh, no, like, because I'm seeing it here. I'm on page um, 83 of the Melor. And Master, yeah, uh, memory transfer and shape transfer, they're both at 99. Right. Great, 95 and 98, 75 and 95, and then you get to the medium. Memory transfer drops down to 40, shape transfer down to 75. Right. So you may look like, you're, you may look like, the neighbor of the guy you want to try to get close to, 
but you're not going to remember everything. You're right. going to have, you know, spotty memories and you may only remember the surface thoughts of the person that you're copying right. and like, yeah, what me and Bob did 10 years ago. No, I totally forgot. You're going to have to remind yeah. me, you know, I just, I can't bring it to mind. Right. And but that, it's, stuff it's like also, that is when, yeah. It's also a numbers game because yeah, you may fail 60% of the time, but that means that the third person if you keep if you reproduce yourselves three times using a corpse, one of you is going to make the is going to kill somebody, eat their brain, and be able to to have their memories and pose as them effectively. Okay, what it is? Um, yeah, a failure of body duplication. A failure to roll into the percentage leaves a Mellory semi-formed creature of the victim's shape and color, enough to pass inspection from a forty-foot distance, but obvious at closer distances. This is no way impairs the Mellor physically. Mellor cannot assume a form of greater mass than itself plus the mass of its latest victim. The memory transfer. Failing to roll under this percentage leaves the Mellor possessing only whatever intelligence it already had with some possible flashes of recognition from its victim's memories. In effect, it is a killer in the shape of its victim. Yeah. So now the Mellor... Oh, they don't have a, pl a bonus to bluff. Okay. The eight, plus eight Rachel bonuses. Well, I'm going to convert this to Pathfinder. Acrobatics, climb, escape artist, and stealth. But not bluff. They've got high ranks in bluff, but it's going to fail after a while because they only have flashes of their prey's memory. Right. So. Yeah. But, but you see, with the ability by, by using the genetic capsule, you know you will get successful. And okay, I, I need to see here this genetic capsule. That's the one I don't. I always thought it was either shape shifting involved, either the touch absorbing the life force or ingestion. Mm -hmm. That's what I always it's, thought. It I is there. It is there. Okay, I, I, trust me on this. Okay, you, right, you, you, right. you basically they they take a genetic capsule, they put it in the body of uh, uh, of an intelligent corpse you know i mean that was an intelligent person okay and then like um d8 hours or maybe it's d8 days later a fully formed meller basically climbs out of the remains it just basically just mutates into a a an, a live meller okay um it's it's in the books uh, somewhere we'll all right we, we can right. find it offline uh all right i'll be glad to find that uh, anyways but the point is is that you know because they can do that that means that they get like even the, even the low level ones get can do multiple tries until they come off with a form that they can pull off, you know. And the other ones either they just destroy them, you know, uh, because they're troublesome, or they just you know say okay, go three counties over and kill somebody <laughs> until you get until they kill you and have fun. You know, and then you have stories of werewolves, and, you know, people who yeah. turned into monsters, and, and you have other kinds of things like that. Um, and, of course, the an entire countryside could be overrun by monsters like that. But really, what it is, it's, it's, it's Meller that are trying to gain enough uh, successes in doing the, uh, the, 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 the absorption of identity and, and, and body trash so they can basically have a large group of them that can pose effectively, you know, in that society, and then they can spread out through the world. You know, some worlds would be very hard to destroy in that regard because of this. But hey, they've got as much time as they need. They're immortal. Yeah. <laughs> so that is one thing that the more intelligent Melor can do. Play the long game. Definitely play the long game. All right. So, um, and of course, uh, you know, if the Commonwealth, you know, 
if, if you're on a world that got really, really messed up, either because the Meller attacked or because you got into a war with your neighbor or because you were so dependent, your technology was dependent upon the big system that everything crashed down, you might, you know, you might not even know about the Meller. And you might at some point go and uh, rise up to a culture that finds the fringe path, starts going out in the fringe path. You go to another world and you basically dig up a meller and bring it back to your world and and basically release it on your own world because uh it, it, the in the very uh i don't know if it was the second or third edition in the blue book with the spiral bound is where they had the meller that was in a freezer on this one world and they opened the you know they opened the uh the the thing and he was in there and he wakes up you know uh because they opened because they opened the door, and uh, at which point he in the in the game they basically machine gun him to death because they're just basically like they don't they haven't gotten to the point where they don't assume that anything that looks weird is is evil. They just yeah. shoot anything that they're afraid of. But you know he also has this, puts this really uh, scary grin on his face, I believe, and uh, uh, and and. Would have run up there, uh, attacked them, you know, killed them, ate their brains, all that stuff, turned into their form if it could have. But I'm just saying, I'm sure there was times when you would have gone in and found like a frozen meller and thought, I wonder what this is, you know, and we're going to take this biological sample. You know, obviously they were, it was important to this culture. They, 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 they kept it safely frozen. Uh, so let's bring it back to our world where we can better examine with our own scientists because we're just a bunch of further explorers. We were drawn willy-nilly from the populace. We probably don't have any PhDs in, in uh, microbiology or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a core. Maybe, you know, we can observe it, you know, do an autopsy, and then, yeah, yeah you find we, out it's a hibernation. Right. We need to take it back so our, yeah, so our that, experts can see it. Yeah. And soon as that scalpel touches the skin, it wakes up and rips everybody apart. Yes, we we've all seen this movie before, folks, in one form or another. <laughs> and what is every bad movie? And there, there's a meme out there. Every bad movie has a scientist that's ignored. Maybe we shouldn't check this creature out, you know, or you know, and or they have the scientist that wants to defend it. No, yeah. it's 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 uh, it's in it's non-human life. You know, it's as it's, it's intelligence beyond our understanding. We could learn from it so much. We could learn. Yeah, you could learn how to die horribly. Yes, <laughs> let let me school you. No, or, no. or the no, uh, no. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. You're gonna learn today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or uh, uh, oh, um, uh, oh, uh, Hellraiser two. Uh, uh, the the doctor, you know, who wanted to go over into it, finally gets the thing open, goes in. You know, this thing comes up out out of some pit and goes down on the top of his head and starts drilling into his brain. He's screaming. He's screaming. He's screaming. Weird things are happening to him. Okay. We cut away, we come back, and he's he's now been transformed into this thing. He opens his eyes, and he says, and to think, I hesitated. Jeez. <laughs> and this thing, like, lifts him up. You, you've, uh, you, you, spoilers here, if you have not seen the latest. Dude, I'm not a horror movie fan. I have not seen any of the Hellraiser. Well... If you've seen the uh, uh, spoilers, if you if you uh, if you haven't seen the latest Star Wars, okay, 
Oh, uh, the Rise exactly. of Skywalker. At the very end, there's somebody on his own personal crane. Okay. Yeah. This is essentially okay. what this was. This guy's on a oh. pseudopod moving around <laughs> doing stuff. <laughs> and, oh no. The best way for those of you who do Bathfinder, the best way if you want to run a Cenobite based campaign, Chitons. The chain devils like them, all the ones that they torture themselves and they've got like nails in their face like um pinhead thank you yeah in your pathfinder bestiary chitons that's the best way to describe the creatures from hellraiser and all of them have like wicked blades on their fingers like edward scissor hands and needles and open you know patchwork skin and yeah that's pretty much what these cenobites are and just yeah yeah um it's yeah, basically it's, body horror yeah 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 bodily mutilation horror yeah yeah but they like it <laughs> Oh, yeah, the Titans, that's the thing. They're like the ultimate torture people. And I've run in both my, both my Bureau 13 games where I had the teams back in the Old West and modern day going up against the Kaitons out of a portal out of a small town Nevada. So, yeah, I got to play them, and I'm realizing, I'm running, holy crap, this is Hellraiser. <laughs> it was a, probably a box that opened this portal in, in Eli, Nevada. <laughs> Some kid with a Rubik's Cube back in 1895 thought it would be fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's ama yeah, it amazing as... how quickly Rubik's Cubes became less interesting after those movies yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, the mom all of a sudden smacks it out of his hand as, as juniors are trying to, you know, win the championship. Yeah. Yeah. You are not <laughs> going to summon the devil. <laughs> yeah, right. Pointing, shaking the finger at the kid, yelling, demonology, demonology. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, but remember the line out again, out of Hellraiser 2. It is not hands that draw us, but desire. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, the, the Commonwealth, the re-emerging Commonwealth, or what, you know, people from worlds nearby that are using the French Pass to explore and possibly doing what Earth Prime is doing, which is to find technological solutions to solve their problems, you know, and find them and bring them back to Earth or their version of Earth. Yeah. And uh, they they say this this you know this is obviously uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know important. Let's bring it back. And and of course they they set it free on their world. And before you know it. <sighs> They're on. They're on that spiral. That that hard that spiral yep. down. Yeah. Yep. That that. Or you're just okay. Uh, this and this guy is doing this rather well. It's almost like he's done it before. Oh crap! <laughs> they realize <laughs> that was the world we we found him on. Okay. Yeah. He, somehow he yeah. knew how to do this. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. He's doing so, it so efficiently. Right. And then they point to the portal like you wonder why. Yeah. Right. Well, so. I guess ultimately the question, you know, is the Meller War Commonwealth o War over? I would say yes, it is because the Commonwealth essentially was destroyed. Yes, the Meller, you know, so the, well, that remember, that war is over. Years but, ago, but the Everything. Meller War really is never over as long as there's infected Meller, because yeah. you know it's uh, because they they will always be true to their new nature and. Uh, bring you know death and despair and destruction wherever they do go. Now, one yeah. last thing I wanted to talk about is is that you know if there if there are pockets of of Meller basically warring against other worlds or some of these kinds of things happening, where would we find them? Okay, because we know from the fringe paths maps, okay, that. Um, there were not a whole lot. I mean, there, the the Meller were on our side, 
you know, we're, we're near Earth Prime because it wasn't that long before they found one, which we call basically the beginning of the uh, middle campaign where they, the, the, the Mellor discovered. Uh, at least that's always been my recommendation is, is that until you get past the early campaign, don't have your people face off against Mellor because it's just, you know, but I believe it was only like five, uh, it was like five things out. Five, uh, what, where the first Mellor world was found? Yeah. It was like five, uh, uh, f uh, five nodes out where it was. See, I don't want to. I don't want to have to go across and get the big blue binder. To no, no, you don't have to do that. Yeah, but yeah, remember yeah. also is is that that world, okay, wherever you know, could be locked, and it could be much later before that world is opened by somebody finding a crystal key of the appropriate security to open that world up. So even if he had been right next to Earth Prime, even on Earth Prime's own alternates, it yeah. was possible that there might have been a locked world that you couldn't get into and that could have had Meller on it. All right. But um, because... Well, the thing that you and I suggested in a previous podcast, and we're talking like this is maybe within the past year that we recorded this, is that folks... As GMs, we all know, okay, the first five years, that's the Fringe Pirates era. Right. Maybe year four, year five Fringe Discovery in your campaign, maybe start, what's the word I'm looking for? foreshadowing the Melor Menace. Yeah. Finding out that somebody there, you got a shape changer running around and you might find out, either think, how did this one guy, that this one being that we know imitate, how did he get from this world to one, two nodes away? Start building up the tension because Melor, it's basically, well, not cosmic horror, but the Melor are run, are run as a, a horror-based enemies. Start foreshadowing year four, year five, you're getting in and letting your players know, yeah, there's something a lot creepier out on the paths than just these guys that are robbing worlds and using the fringe portals as escape routes. Start foreshadowing is a wonderful method of storytelling. And it's like Bruce said, it's the, the gun method. If you're watching a movie and you see that gun on the table, you know that gun is going to be used later in that show. Same thing. Just sort of leak in bits of the Meller, and then as you transition from, okay, yeah, the Fringe Pirates, we've neutralized them, we found out their hacks. Okay, now wait a minute. We can concentrate more on these shapeshifters we keep running into that we know that this person gets killed and then, you know, find out that they've now hopped another form. What if there's more than just one out here on the Fringe Pass, you know? There may be a whole race of them on these worlds, and they may be connected to the past themselves. Again, you build your players up to this. Right. So where you're in the year five to year 20, which is the middle campaign, you're concentrating on, and you find out just how extensive the Mellor Menace really is. Mm -hmm. And you're finding out that, okay, Bruce, I know you've heard of this. After World War II, the Pacific Theater part of it, when after the surrender was signed on the Missouri, uh, August 45? Probably. I, I don't know yeah. the exact date. Yeah, I forget BJ Day, but shortly after, Emperor Hirohito was there on the USS Missouri, and he signed the terms of surrender, which I don't believe the Japanese had a term for surrender until World War II. I'm not bad-mouthing the Japanese or anything. This is historical fact. I'm, I'm stating the fact here. But you had, and I'm sure there were more, but there was apparently, and remember, it was an island-hopping campaign. There were Japanese outposts all over the Pacific. Mm -hmm. And there was a Japanese soldier, an officer, who manned his post because no one told him that the Japanese had lost the war. He, pro Emperor, he probably he couldn't even conceive of it. Well, no, because... Um, the emperor was holy. He was right. of God. Well, the Japanese have a concept called giri, 
G-I-R-I, and it's their word for, like, honor, duty. And so this officer was there doing his job. And, I mean, Americans, they came in and they even said, yeah, we won. We're, we're taking you in. He's like, no. So he defended himself with his life because he was still following Emperor Hirohito's holy order. Emperor himself had to go to this island and tell this officer who was performing his duty, we did not succeed in our goal. We had to end our battle. Stand down, officer. You have my blessing. You did your duty wonderfully. You're going to have Meller still out there that may still be locked down on the world, you know, 15, 20 years down the line from fringe discovery in your campaign. They don't even know the war is over. They're still doing their program duty. So even though, quote, the Commonwealth Meller War is over, that's why these Meller are still on these worlds. To them, as far as they're concerned, the world's going. They just took a break. There's a break in the action and decide to take the snooze. Or they've been just doing their duty and they realize somebody's there and all of a sudden they pose as one of the last people that were on that world. Oh, I'm of this race. Yeah, I'm here in the self-sustaining, you know, arcology and I've been here all this time and I'm glad to see people. And then it starts, you know, like ripping throats out and copying them. And now you've got a Melor that's out on the fringe paths again, or he's part of your party, or whatever. So yeah, is the war over? Yeah, it ended a thousand years ago with the destruction of the Commonwealth. But there are still Melor willing to fight because of the quote-unquote programmed orders they have due to the virus. So yeah, it, it it's a yes and no question, or excuse me, a yes and no answer. Yeah, it's over, but not really. <laughs> it's mostly over. It's become a personal war. Yeah, because all of these Melor have been cut off for a thousand years due to the logic bomb. And all of a sudden they find out, you know, here's this team of explorers. They look human. Okay, they could be Commonwealth. Okay, fine. They changed their name to Unita. Eh, as far as I'm concerned, they're still Commonwealth. I'm going <laughs> to, time for me to have some fun. It's been boring here. You know, so yeah. And the fact that we went deep into this because in your campaigns, yeah, that's the whole point. You're finding that Japanese soldier still on that Pacific island years after he was given his duty. That's pretty much the best way to describe, you know, if you're a military history buff, that's the best way to describe what these infected Mellor are. Soldiers and officers who are still doing their duty years later because they have no real regard that their war is over. It's business as usual for them. So, and that's what your fringeworthy team, either Unita or if you're starting from another world, that's what they stumble upon. When they realize, okay, the scope of the fringe path is like, oh crap, yeah, the, the whole reason why these, all these, we find these worlds abandoned and the portals were guarded and it, it it should be for your game a really big revelation where your players are going oh crap these worlds were all linked at one time and they did all this stuff to block these shapeshifters because you know we lost bob it ripped bob's throat out how many people and that's when you can start instilling a little bit of paranoia in your players and that's where they start because in the middle campaign with the campaign model that Bruce wrote it's like you're wearing your body armor all the time you have your gun with you because technically anybody could be a Melor you don't want to get your players too paranoid but just let them know you have the doppelganger test yeah yeah and the high and here's the thing this is the kicker when you're on worlds and we've discussed this in previous episodes oh we we don't cut ourselves it, it it's we we cannot touch ourselves with a bladed weapon because unless you're a very high level Melor, you bleed white. Now, if you're like a greater master, yeah, you you are down to darn near the genetic level of the person you're assuming. Therefore, they can mimic the red blood. And it would have to take a very sophisticated test. Okay, let me take this blood and test if you're human. Nine times out of ten, the testing material that the fringe where they have, it's gonna, yeah, it's human blood. There might be some different, you know, genomes, but that can be just due to evolution. It's not gonna register unless you take the blood back to Earth Prime or go to a Termelon or Commonwealth lab, and then they see the particular little bits in it that 
make it mellow, even if it's red. So yeah, you're, you you can start installing paranoia and other things where the Melor don't want to get cut or I have a body taboo against this being done. You cannot touch me with that metal piece or whatever and start messing with your players more and more as you're getting and realizing the length and breadth of the, the shape-shifting race that was left behind. And just, it can be a really fun thing for people who have not played a fringe-worthy game before. If they're like new players and you're going through the, a long campaign arc and you start bringing the Mellor in, yeah, that's when you can start really playing with their heads a little. And just, as, as I said, all most of my players all know what the Mellor are. I've already thrown them in. I really couldn't, I mean, they could role-play the surprise again, but it's the new players that you bring in to play this game, and they realize what you as a game master are doing. They'll love it. But you're also going to get called some pretty nasty names. I've been called a few when I've run Mellor, and they're like, Trav, you are, and just, you know, blue streak. You know, just... <laughs> Well, no, I told you about Z when I brought in a Melor and I was running it at a con game at MarsCon. God, Trav, these guys are a-holes. I said, that means I'm playing them correctly. That's correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So people who are new to the Melor, if you're a game master and run them right, one, you'll scare the crap out of your players. And two, if it's, you know, a Melor, a good Melor will not get caught. Melor are recyclable villains because they're always coming at you one way or another. And again, because the infected Melor, they're immortal. They play the long game. And that is something you as a GM have to know. You have to know long-range tactics, long-range, you know, um, uh, consequences of their actions. And you can, yeah, you can bring a Melor villain back for... Because remember, they know the fringe paths also better than Unite and the players do. They know all the hacks. And if they have a crystal key, they can go from world to world. They can, you know, do the alternate pathways that you know you set the key in the middle of the alt platform and go to another pathway and go up and around and totally evade you and they can get to the world better and yeah you, you could really just screw with your players heads with the fact that no the Mellor war is not completely truly over and your players hopefully if you run it correctly, the players will have some agency in maybe ending it because, you know, there are cures to the infection. There are reversals to the bioengineered virus that the Kegak made. Either you find out on your own, you know, you make up one, you get Melor genetic material when you reverse engineer, or you find your buddies, the Slards, and you back them in a corner somehow and they bite and you find out that that's what did it. Because that's what the Slards, again, a little bit of back history for you newer listeners, the Slargs were made to come they were a direct combat force against the Mellor. their bite re-engineered reverse engineered or undid the bioengineered virus and even if you had a least Mellor or a low Mellor, you would but you it, the slarg would bite it and it would turn back into an old Mellor. full size full intelligence realizing the thousands of years that it did all this evil often probably on an animalistic level and then you get to do the because what it is the um I believe, yeah, it was the key gag that came in and sabotaged that project. Yes. They, they said, no, 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 no. And all they did was flip the fight or flight response, where it's 99% flight. And the only way that a slark will fight is if it knows in its heart of hearts that it doesn't have a way out. Then you have a man-sized dog with heightened senses and animalistic weaponry. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want some creature that is my size dog with heightened senses. Because if you know how like Daredevil fights, you know that those heightened senses add to you know, his fighting ability. Right. I, would want, I wouldn't want to face something like that. Problem is, it's a very small chance you will because nine times out of a ten, Slarg's going to run. And remember, that Slarg doesn't have to outrun the Melor, it just has to outrun you. Anyways. 
And you know, and if you've seen pictures of slargs, you know they don't have small mouths either. Oh no, no. This oh god, I can bring this up because it's here. Uh, how slargs are described. Let me get AC races. Yeah. Oh come on, it was right. Might have been in the second part because of because I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there are, there are stats for the slargs. Yeah. But they're not. I'm seeing Tazil, Blizzniz, Demixi. Remember, they're yeah. They're, they're going to be in the... Uh, um, the, the NBC mel- races. There we go. My apologies, folks. Okay, this... Uh, not the key gag. Nice bookmark, Rich. Um, we love him dearly, but yeah. Okay. Uh, Universally fringeworthy. Yes. Slargs in appearance resemble man-sized dogs with a complete absence of eyes. This lack of sight is balanced by a near-human intelligence, a keen sense of smell, and a special echolocation sense. This spatial sense allows them to see an echo image within 200 feet in a sphere 360 degrees vertically and horizontally. Uh, muddy brown or to gray in color and have 64 sharp teeth. 64. Right there. 64. That is twice as many as a normal human. Right, because they have a bigger mouth. Yes. Uh, they have a sharpness of wit and a highly abrasive crate. Abrasive? Abrasive? I'm on vacation, folks. I don't need to think all that much. Abrasive, crass, and generally temperamental personality. With the set sense of humor fit for a scavenger, they can be very disturbing to human types. Yeah, there's the flavor text where it just slammed its face into a bowl of sherbet and started... <laughs> and, of course, it's a proper dinner, so this slarg is slurping and slopping all over the place. Yeah, so, yeah. so you know you know that they have an eight-year-old sense of humor, so they, they know all the poop jokes, you know, all, all the gross jokes. <laughs> yeah, and just... But that's the thing. They, they, you know, a sense of a scavenger, that means, you know, they're still going to have somewhat of a dog mentality. Yeah. They're going to be digging through garbage. They're going to be eating things that most humans would be like, no, stop that. Get that out of your mouth. You know, you have to grab it and try to pull it out of its mouth. Have you ever had that to do that to a dog, folks? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Bruce, you, you've but got dogs. But it's good. He's holding it in his teeth. He's like, but it's good. <laughs> it smells great. No, it doesn't. It smells yeah, ten day, three days run. That's yeah, what I'm talking like, about. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's at, it's at the peak of its play. Get that out of your mouth. Anyways, <laughs> highly abrasive, crass, and generally temperamental personality. Yeah. Um, they're cranky. They can come off as possibly a curmudgeon. They're very acerbic. And just until their fight or flight mechanism kicks in and they get cowardly and scamper off and hide behind somewhere. And that's why we say you don't have to outrun the enemy. You just have to outrun the slarg. Um, or the slug just has to outrun you. Yeah, exactly. But once they get that that back against the wall, and they know there's no way that they can run, again, what I just read, a mouth of 64 teeth, heightened senses, yeah, it's going to mess you up. But And it's got a strength plus three and con plus three. So, yeah, it is built for combat. It's yeah, just it's hardy. Yes. It, it's meant to be kind of a stocky wolf, kind of almost like a warg kind of build, but it's just that their fear receptors were jacked up due to the Kegax sabotaging the Slark project. Yeah, it, but the, the, it's 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 submissive behavior, you know, rolling on its back and putting its paws up and asking you to rub its belly and feed it. Those all belie what should be a terrifying visage of, yeah. of an animal bigger than you that if it decided to hurt you, could very easily hurt you. Yeah, let's see. Good traits, keen senses. Bad traits, abrasive, rude, abysmal coward, scratch, slink off to hide during combat. Yeah. Usual quote. He went that way, so I'm going this way. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but and, yeah that, you and, to- and that's the cute quotes. That's not the real quotes, you know. <laughs> oh, not- no. They're embracing their inner, and there's the rapper called the theme song, who do- and I'll, I'll clean up the title. F this stuff, I'm out. Yeah, they embrace yeah. their inner theme song when combat's on. 
if you've listened to my show, it's played in my outro. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse so, me, please. Yeah, Gotta leave. Oh, yeah, you've heard it. Okay, good. You know. Oh what yeah, I everyone's heard it. Okay, so yeah, the slargs, as I said, they were meant as the frontline defense to take down the Melor, but then the Kegax put yeah. the kibosh on that. They were supposed to be the tip of the spear. Yeah. Well, because. The, remember, the Termelorn were summoned by the Commonwealth. Please, you have to help us. We need weaponry. And then the Termelorn, because they were a peaceful race, and they didn't... At, at best, Termelorn might have been self-defense pacifists, where they only fought if they were directly attacked, and even then they still did something non-lethal, like, yeah. we have telepathy, I'll just mind control you to sleep. They made the weapons like, hi, if we're riding this Earth off, Fine, we slam the moon into the planet and lock down the portal with a rainbow key. Problem solved. There's only a thousand people left on the earth. We'll write them out. We'll write them off. It's just, and the Termelorn's weaponry, the stuff they came up with, scared the Commonwealth. Yeah. They're, I, they're remember, like, the Termelorn, you know, almost destroyed themselves a couple of times. Well, yeah, until they learned to rise above it and they, they were, well, it was all in that urge to create. Yeah. The Termelorn, that was their main drive creating anything from okay we created the pangolus we created the termelon tree homes and you know we just that's our drive and if you read the flavor text it's the termelon doing the mating dance and he's getting worried realizing that you know the babes aren't coming to me and then all of a sudden he just sort of shifts one way and all the women start coming toward him and he realize and so that's their entire drive so they just applied that ultra drive to create into defending the Commonwealth and sticking it to the Melor. And like it was in the French or the OGL, what the Commonwealth saw that the Termelon brought to the table scared the crap out of them. Because they realized, okay, we're giving the ultimate creators the chance to make weapons of war to take out this very pervasive enemy. And just the Termelorn delivered on a level that rivaled the Melor. As I said, slamming a moon into its in it into its planet, that was probably the Termelorn being nice. I'm sure they probably came up with a lot worse. And in that, that's another thing you you game masters can do. You can come up with some terrifying weapons that a Mellor may decide, you may stumble on a world and the Mellor may activate it. And you gotta find out the war and you'd realize Again, and refer to our previous episodes on how big is big and campaign scope, just what this war encompassed and what races were willing to do to either perpetuate or end this war. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, and uh, as we ruminated over this thorny issue of, of is there ever an end to the Meller? And the answer to it is the only real end to the Meller war is the Meller cure which you can add into your campaign. Uh, Richard Tolka produced a version of it uh, in his uh, uh, Portals 4, his, basically his, uh, uh, his idea of, of how to change everything, uh, yeah. which I, I've only used small pieces of because I like the way things are. Uh, but uh, it's certainly you can go that route. But everyone has, he is, was always the champion of the GM doing what the GM wanted to do. And he, you know, he spent his entire life building tool sets for people to be creative within and, uh, and, and to play off of. And we hope you do that. We hope that you take these ideas and really run with them and mix and match them and come up with your own ideas and let us know by uh, posting messages on uh, fans of Gaming on the Frontier, uh, our uh, uh, Facebook uh, uh, group, and uh, anywhere else that is TriTech because uh, TriTech 
friend, people are everywhere and we're all great people to spend time with. And we hope that you'll give us an opportunity to meet you one of these days. Uh, but we will have more thought-provoking ideas and fun topics, and we will be sure to bring that to you. But you're going to have to wait until next week. So until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.